morning. I have been asked to look at and try and concentrate in terms of structural issues, but I think we're dealing with a mix of uh, issues throughout the three um, uh, sessions today. Um, I've called the, uh, the uh, talk that I want to make, Women and Girls, Challenges and Opportunities. And what I wanted to do was look at um, perhaps three aspects, looking at data that are withdrawn um, UNFPA has been privileged, I think, to uh, work in support of uh, ensuring that the, uh, the first census in 30 years has been um, uh, moved forward in uh, Myanmar. There's a huge amount of uh, data now available through this, and it's on our website. If you look at Myanmar or UNFPA uh, Myanmar, you'll be able to come across it. So I'm drawing from the census, but I'm also drawing from the demographic um, health survey. Um, that was the first one ever for Myanmar recently, and again, it draws from the sampling frame of the of these um, of the census. And apart from that, and probably most uh, importantly, I'm uh, drawing from uh, our four or five years of uh, practice and of operations, because that's about people and that's about the real, uh, what really happens on the ground. And these tell uh, different stories. So data gives us uh, a certain amount of uh, information and through and um, behind statistics of people and behind people are um, uh, brilliant uh, stories and diverse stories. But at the same time, we need to look at what happens on the ground. So I'm going to be looking a little bit at structural issues. I'm going to be uh, also looking at uh, issues to do with uh, systems, systemic issues, but also looking at rights, um, human rights. So in terms of, let's just start off and look at, um, uh, look at the population. Um, when we look at the, the demographics of uh, Myanmar, we can see immediately that um, the optics uh, are not what they uh, seem. We can see here that women are actually 1.8 million, almost 2 million more than men. And it's really important. So women are more, but we're talking today a lot, a lot about how women are disadvantaged or less, um, though they are actually more in, in numbers. So how do we begin to think about redressing that inequality? though they are the majority. Um, not only that, women actually live longer than men. Women are living longer than men by six to seven years. So women are living longer, they are more, and yet they are less. So when we uh, start looking also at assets um, throughout the, the census, and um, I brought uh, a lot of the uh, copies of the thematic uh, gender report, please do take one um, uh, for yourself to, to read through. There are many, there are 13 different thematic, um, thematic uh, reports. Um, so we need to really uh, look beyond this um, and, and try and unpack some of why this situation is like that. UNDP in 2014, in terms of the gender index, uh, for 2014 rated uh, Myanmar 85 out of uh, 187 um, uh, countries. In 2015, it had gone uh, from uh, to 80 out of, um, uh, 85 out of 187. So 
still a long way to go in terms of gender equality. We also know that young people, young people in Myanmar, are almost half of the population, just over 46%, under the age of 25. That's a huge amount of possible opportunity to be able to influence for change, to influence for structural, uh, structural change and doing things differently. Another phenomenon that came out from the, um, from the census is that marriage rates have actually um, halved. Whilst in 1983, 12% of um, women were married ever, now only 6%, uh, the, six the uh, number of women who are not married are 6% versus 12% in 1983. These obviously cannot be answered in terms of statistics, but they do raise issues for qualitative research, which I think many of you here are very uh, interested in. So it really helps us to set the uh, agenda for research, qualitative research, um, and be able to come forward and try and unpack why these situations are there. In terms of structures, um, I've uh, said for many, many years that when we look at issues, when we want to look at the status of women in any country, we can take two indicators. Number one, maternal mortality. Is it high? Yes or no? Then the second is looking at the health system functioning. Is the health system functioning? Because in, in uh, developing countries, a lot of health system and primary health care is around mothers and children. So um, in, in this situation, I think we can see from the census that the Myanmar has one of the highest levels of maternal mortality. In, it's the highest, actually, in, um, in uh, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, at 282 per 100,000 births. Um, so these are, I think, really important issues for us to be looking at from a structural situation. Let's look at the next um, slide. Now, why do I want to uh, put this slide out? Because when we start looking at women in the, um, in the uh, uh, labor force, we, we begin to see how, again, women, though they are more, are, dispro uh, are um, disproportionately um, Represented, uh, uh, representative, represented. So when we look at women, only 50, around 50% 50 of women are actually in the labour force, in, in uh, uh, formal uh, work, as compared to about 85% of men. So um, when we start looking at women's, uh, um, uh, when, we, when we look at male employment and female employment, we can see immediately Though women are larger, actually the largest part of uh, employment is taken up by men. We can also see that women uh, are also much more likely to be inactive than, than men. So these are some of the structural issues that we need to be ad addressing. And I think um, even yesterday when uh, the state councillor gave her uh, her um, speech yesterday in, um, in Manila, she said, let us create an environment where women can unleash their economic power for our countries individually. 
Now that's great, that's a real um, boost, I think, for all of us, but at the same time, it's not, uh, women can only be um, uh, empowered uh, in the labour force and the economically if they also have social and other types of power, which we've been talking about in the first session this morning. So when we look at um, the, the next slide, we can see, and I think this is very powerful, when you start seeing the um, uh, labour force uh, participation, this is a couple I actually met uh, just uh, a few weeks ago up in Shan, and they worked together and we, they agreed that I took take their picture. But what we see from men, you can see everything is much darker. In other words, they're all employed. And it's not just that they're all employed, the employment is 70, 80 and 90 percent. You know, um, so they don't have to worry. But when we start seeing the women, it's lighter. Why? Because it starts at 30 percent. And then we see that only the darker, vaguely a little bit of blue, no dark blues in terms of uh, high, um, high uh, um, labour force participation. So there's a long way to go in terms of equality. And this is also about how we then try to bring out women's, uh, women's labour force participation um, and make that much more visible. At the moment, and I think it was said earlier, that uh, rightly, that women are predominantly, there, there are lots of women in the professional field, but they are, it's not a field that gives them opportunities for career development. It's kept low. So they're professional, which is great, which shows aptitude, skills, ability, but they're kept in a, in a profession that keeps them low and doesn't offer them anything or doesn't enable them uh, for good reasons, structural, social reasons, not to be able to mobilize and try and change the situation. Though that is happening and, that, and we depend hugely on the women, uh, um, the women in uh, the NGOs for, for really uh, helping us uh, move forward in that and they have done a tremendous uh, effort over the last five to six years. So there's a lot um, that needs to move forward. Let's move to the next one. And this just shows, again, the gap. So the gap is immense. We can see that women have still a long way to go. And whilst men uh, have a long, pretty steady um, security in terms of their, uh, their uh, jobs, women, we can see that women's, the story of women's uh, um, employment is not one that is secure. It is something that we have to be all the time defending, protecting, because it's not as secure as uh, that of men. So when we look at the implications, then, um, uh, then there, there are lots of issues that um, we have to be looking at. When we start um, unpacking a little bit, we see that also household heads, in, in most cases, 76%, are men and the women 24% so and most most of these this gets uh, higher uh, um, in terms of uh, rural so th there are all these sort of gaps that really do structurally um, disadvantage uh, women in in Myanmar let's move on again because of uh, time 
Now this is where um, I want to, I know that other people will be talking about education, but what I want to talk about here is really looking at harnessing. Because when we start looking at Myanmar, and if we bear in mind the first, um, uh, the first slide, you will see that the bottom line at the first slide is starting to go in. In other words, it's going through what we would call a demographic transition. When there's a demographic um, transition, you have a bulge, a bulge of young people who are probably the age of around nine up to about 15, 16. As they move up, you've got that bulge that offers a huge opportunity for a government and uh, for a country to really benefit from it. And it's called the, um, the demographic bonus. In Myanmar, we have two possible bonuses. We have the bonus of youth, and we have the bonus of women. 50% of women are not in the labor force. Okay, you can never get 100% of women into a labor force, but you can certainly, if, uh, and we have yet to do the economics and the calculations to find out what value that will bring. UNFPA intends doing that. We're about to begin our fourth uh, country program next year, and that will be one of the issues, how we help the government to work towards a, a, demogra uh, a strategy to reap the demographic dividend for Myanmar. It's very unusual to have a double potential. And this is, an, uh, this is something that Myanmar needs to think about in order to get women, not just in, in uh, employment, but employment that will help to build the economic uh, situation of the country. Why, why do we want to look at this uh, slide? Because it shows, if we look at, if we look at um, no schooling, the, uh, the no schooling has reduced, which is great, uh, compared to uh, the cohort of people who are now 25 and above. This is looking at the whole of the population that is under 25, so it gives us a picture of where they are now. If we compare that, and because of time, and uh, I decided not to put both of them, it's much easier just to tell the story, but basically, for no schooling, um, when we start looking at it, it has it, this has sort of got down, gone down in terms of boys by about three points, and for girls, it's gone down ten, uh, nearly eight points. So there's already, you know, girls are coming up and being much more um, uh, edu uh, uh, able to be educated, which is great. In primary school, the forty-five percent of the cohort under 25, has kind of remained uh, level, which, which is still only half of young people going into primary school. So there's a, a possibility there. There's a huge possibility to get more children into school. And that's what there, there needs to be much more effort to try and get those um, uh, people into uh, school. Um, I may go a little bit longer. Um, in terms of middle school, middle school, um, we see that, again, um, this has uh, slightly uh, improved. Again, another static one is the high school. High school is only 10 11%. It's not very much. More, we need more children in school and finishing school. And then when we look at university, university has actually come down, but for girls, uh, though it's higher now, it's still all down from before. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Let's just quickly move, because these are really important in terms of structural issues. 
issues to do with ever marriage, early marriage. Already in, in uh, Myanmar, we have basically, when we start looking at early marriage, which also means early parenting most of the time, for some of the reasons that you have all um, heard. So when we, when we see this and we look at the, what does, does this mean in numbers, it means probably in terms of girls, 300,000 girls, who somehow, because they're married, or maybe uh, child brides um, and uh, early marriage, then they're obviously not able to be uh, uh, contributing. These, and these, there are differences between all the states, so we've got to look nationally and with all the states uh, also. Now, when we look at the teenage fertilities, 33, let's look at that uh, in terms of comparing it with some other countries in Asia. China is 6.2, 6 Bangladesh, 113, India, 28, Thailand, 60, Indonesia, 47, Singapore, 2.7. So it's really, if, if there is going to be development, there has to be much lower um, teenage pregnancy, and that needs to be looked at through uh, structural issues. So here we then move, move uh, on to um, some of the more the social aspects in terms of re reducing vulnerability. Reducing vulnerability, we've talked about education. Disability, we can see that in disability, women are more likely, less likely to have jobs than men. Um, all of these are uh, separate uh, documents that you'll be able to see on our web, but it's really important to study them. Women with disability and employment are only half those of men. Sexual and reproductive health and rights. We've been talking this morning in terms of education, in terms of men, uh, boys and men. Sexual, sexuality education. We hope that the government is going to uh, introduce and begin working on sexuality, uh, uh, sexuality education. Sexual and reproductive health, and Tata talked a lot around these issues, is absolutely critical to women's empowerment and equality. Actually, CEDAW, the uh, Convention for the Elimination of um, uh, what, um, Discrimination Against Women, um, in July, in their meeting, they came out with a statement saying that that um, in terms of when we look at violence against women, the fa denying women and young people access and information on sexual and reproductive health and rights is a form of violence because it leads them to situations and puts them in a no-choice situation. And that is a violence. So that's uh, quite a, a, a new step in terms of moving forward um, the, um, the, uh, the narrative. Um, so, but, and this brings us right into gender-based violence. So I'm going to be very quick on the gender-based violence, and this is important because for, if we move forward to the next one, the, the issue about case. Now, we, we know that often, and certainly um, in the early years of the transition, uh, in 2012, 2013, the narrative was overwhelmingly around um, sexual violence related to the military, related to um, uh, uh, it being a, a war uh, weapon of war, and that seemed to, that dominated, and for very good reasons. And we know that that 
is a big issue and it continues to be a big issue and it needs to be addressed. And this needs to be addressed systemically and structurally. And there needs to be a, um, a system in place that holds people not only accountable, but actually monitors the situation, so a monitoring situation. And we've discussed this with the, with the government in terms of monitoring, putting in place monitoring arrangements for reporting and analysis on conflict-related sexual violence. That aside, we also know that whilst that is a, 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 is, is a real reality, both in conflict uh, uh, areas and most recently, um, uh, you're all aware of the, the reporting um, uh, that has come out of the situation in, in um, Rakhine and the outflux of the Rohingya into uh, Bangladesh. But when we actually look at um, uh, prevention of gender-based violence and response to uh, gender-based violence, the case contact, uh, context tells us that actually about 80% of gender-based violence occurs with intimate partners. So it happens mostly in the home. And this is something that structurally and socially has to be addressed because as we heard earlier on, it tends to be kept very quiet and it tends to be sorted out very much in the home. In UNFPA, um, with uh, some of the other uh, re uh, agencies, we work very much in terms of uh, uh, preventing and responding to gender-based violence in conflict um, areas. And we're doing that, and we've been doing that systematically with the blessing and the support and actually the initiative of the government, which is really great. Um, and really trying to enable women and empower women to be able to um, uh, not only uh, get healed from this, but also to prevent and pre um, work with men and boys to try and change some of these uh, situations. When we, when we start looking at gender-based violence, um, maybe let's move on to the, the, uh, the gender-based violence. Um, we've seen also from the, de uh, the demographic health uh, survey that one in 20 women, one in um, five women, 20% of women, experience some form of uh, uh, violence, and 3% um, of sexual violence. Now, in situations of conflict, that 3% is more likely to be about 15% or more, yeah? When we know uh, that women are coming. That's why it's really, when you start looking, there is no way that a woman can be equal or empowered if she's being sexually violated. Definitely. And certainly if she's being beaten up. So um, these are really um, absolutely critical that for equality, that women should be free of violence in order to um, be able to exercise their, um, their equality and be empowered. So in UNFPA, the final uh, um, slide, we have been working, we have done, under, uh, uh, we're working in most of the conflict-related areas. Um, in the southeast, we have, uh, there are some really worrying issues around how uh, the conflict has affected young people in terms of their behavior. Cyber uh, violence, for example, drugs, um, uh, not having their parents home, uh, often many of the, the parents will be away. 
uh, and migrant workers. So the grandparents are looking after them, but the grandparents themselves are also working. So these are really some, uh, some of the concerns. When we move uh, uh, in, in Kachin, again, we, uh, we have undertaken, the next slide, we have undertaken some uh, 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 research and focus group discussions that we're in discussion with the uh, women's organizations in terms of how to interpret, interpret some of the, um, the findings that we have seen in terms of uh, the use and the predominance of informal justice systems. But informal justice systems, as we heard earlier, is about, um, and we heard the uh, example of Timor-Leste and that change, um, in, informal justice systems may keep it within the family and keep it out, maybe for some uh, protective reasons, but it also means that there is, there is uh, impunity continues. Um, uh, so it's really important that we begin to uh, find, and often the, uh, when it's um, the, uh, um, the in, uh, uh, informal justice systems tend to be discussed and agreed with the leaders and not necessarily involving the woman herself, the, the survivor. So the, um, there are quite a number of issues that have to uh, be changed uh, on that. Um, I'm not going to go into the next uh, slide because I think um, we've already heard that um, very well. But just to finally uh, quickly say something in terms of the model that we are trying to support. And we work with 17 uh, INGOs and NGOs. We don't uh, give services ourselves. But setting up women and girls centers, spaces for women to come together and express um, and share their experiences. This has been critical in terms of looking at women and girls first and really trying to empower them and give them the, uh, the chances that they deserve in terms of moving forward in their lives, especially after conflict and years and years of conflict. And what, we've, what we're looking at at the moment is a very integrated model, an integrated model that for the sake, and it, it's uh, good that CEDAW has now made this decision, that actually not, giving, uh, not respecting people's re sexual and reproductive rights is also a form of violence, because what we've done is actually uh, linked together issues to do with um, gender-based violence and sexual and reproductive health, because they are. Um, very, very closely interlinked. Um, also, the issue about having a more holistic, that women should be able to go for uh, medical care. Women should be able to go for psychosocial trauma healing. Women should be able to also go and get legal uh, support. So these are some of the um, aspects. Uh, and uh, the third aspect is really looking at legal and policy issues. And um, we've heard from Tata about that, how um, the, the policy must be not only national, but it must be applied locally. Thank you. Ron.